This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. Well, today we're, we're starting a series, and the series is called Me to We. And the series is really going to be about relationships. I know what you're probably thinking. Maybe you're someone in here, and you're like, I'm not in a relationship. I'm single. I'm not married. I'm not dating. And that's kind of what our culture has the tendency to do, doesn't it? We have this tendency, when we think of relationships, we automatically start to romanticize them. Well, as you kind of look into it, you realize that relationships actually transcend the borders of romanticism. And, and what you realize is relationships are actually the very thing that make the world go round, the money that you earned. It actually comes as a result of a relationship, a relationship that you have with your boss or your employer, the organization that you work for. You think about the food that you eat, that you and your family consume. It actually comes as a result of what? A relationship. You go to the grocery store. There's this producer-consumer relationship. Relationships are what make the world go round. God was actually the one who, who started all this. And this is really fascinating to me. Um, you know, so God, before anything existed, there was God, the big G-O-D. And uh, he, he existed, and, and he decided that he was going to make Humanity, humans. So, so first and foremost, he creates this, this relationship, right? And this relationship is between God and man. That's us. And so God establishes the fact that our first relationship need, first relational need that we have is to have relationship with God. And this is really, really important. This is where you hear things like, right, God needs to be first. Put God first in your life. And the reason God needs to be first is God, God was the one that created us. He's the one that put us here to begin with. Now, what we have the tendency to do is we all kind of, especially in the church world, have the tendency to stop there. Even you, I've heard churches even teach this. All you need is God, just you and Jesus. Keep God at the center of your life, and, and all you need is you and God, and you're going to be good. And, and that teaches really well. And, and I get what people are trying to say, that God needs to be number one in your life. But God actually designed you uh, not just for relationship with him. And this is what's really, really fascinating because God makes man, okay? And this is before the fall of man, before Adam and Eve had ever decided to turn their back on God, right? So there wasn't um, evil in the world. There was no such thing as, uh, as a sin nature. Sin nature, when we talk about sin nature, what we're talking about is that thing on the inside of you uh, that, that even though you know not to do wrong, there's things that you shouldn't do. There's something inside of you that kind of wants to do it. It's that sin nature that comes as a result of the fall of man. That's before this ever existed, so God makes man before there's even evil in the world. God looks at man, and what does God say? God says, it's not good for man to be alone. In other words, I, don't, I haven't designed you just to have relationship with me. I've designed you to have relationship with others, right? So God then makes, makes woman, right? So, or he, he, he continues this, this scope of branching humanity out. What is this doing? This is kind of where we get this series title, moving from a mentality where everything in life is just about me, moving from me to we. And uh, being that relationships are such a huge deal, um, you think about it, it it's, it's funny because we've had little to no training when it comes to relationships. And there's, there, I mean, the, the science, statistics prove that, that today in, in all of our uh, experiences, uh, with the relationships that, that we're dealing with and the stresses that we face in life, the problems that you're facing today, that the majority of, of those things are a result of broken relationships. 
tensions between friends, tensions between husbands and wife, tensions between uh, you and maybe your boss. And yet we've gotten little to no training when it comes to these things. The chances are you probably learned more about how to do algebra two than you learned how to have great relationship. You probably learned more about how to speak that second language that you learned in high school that you forgot after you graduated than you actually learned how to have successful relationships. You probably learned more about how to drive a car than being trained in how to have successful relationships. And so it's no wonder, right, when we look at our life, when we look at the world around us, when we look at our relationships, I'm sure I could pass around a microphone uh, today to everyone, and we could all talk about what we're going through, some broken relationship that we have in our life. And since we haven't been taught how to have good relationships, you know what we're left to do? We're left to live our lives by assumption, And assumptions are so powerful because what we do is we end up living our lives by some concept, some idea that we don't even know why we believe this thing. We just, it's just something that's always been and it's just the way that life works. And it's not something that has any basis, but really it's just something we live our lives by. Here's a couple things you need to know about your assumptions. First of all, your assumptions are are, are culturally shifted uh, and, and designed in and and kind of put together in so many different ways. But the first thing you need to know about your assumptions is your assumptions affect your decisions. The way you assume something to be, something you you assume to be true will affect how you decide different things in your life when it comes uh, to that thing. We do this in in our life all the time, especially when it comes to, think about just your, your food choices. If I was to tell you today, hey, at the end of service, we're providing lunch for everybody, and you can go out, and uh, in the parking lot, we're going to be having horse sandwiches, and you guys can just grab yourself a horse sandwich and knock yourself out. If I said horse sandwich, well, you guys are probably going, what? We're not, I'm not going to eat horse. We don't eat horses, right? Well, what if I proceeded to tell you that actually doctors have proven that horse is actually one of the most nutritious meats that you can consume. It's really, really good for you. If I told you that in Iceland, they eat horse, and, and in China, they eat horse right? And in all these different places that you're still not eating horse, right? I'm perfectly comfortable eating a cow, but a horse, I pet a horse. I ride a horse. I feed a horse. I do not eat horses. Why do you believe that? You have no idea why you believe that. It's this cultural assumption. There's just something deep rooted in our hearts that tells us it is wrong to eat a horse because this is what your assumptions do. Your assumptions affect your decisions. Here's another thing your assumptions do. Your assumptions are invisible to you. These are things that you don't even know that you assume. It's something that's been so programmed into your psyche by our culture, and it's something that's so normal and so acceptable that you don't ever bother to question it. It's something we just take as truth. And so I want to talk about one of these cultural assumptions, these assumptions that I think that we have in our lives um, that, that can kind of affect our relationships. I think it's an assumption we have about life, and we carry it over into our relationships. And when we do, I think it has the chance of being very, very destructive. So when I put it on the screen today, uh, when you see it at first, you're going to have the tendency to be, I don't know what I think about that. My request to you is that you would go on this journey with me today to explore just maybe, maybe it's uh, something that is true, and maybe today, by the end of our conversation, that we can take a step in the right direction towards having God's best in our relationships. And so this cultural assumption when it comes to our relationships is this. My relationships should make me happy. My relationships should make me happy. First, you're probably thinking, well, what's the opposite, right? My relationships should make me 
unhappy? Certainly not. You know, this idea of, of happiness, it's just kind of a, a part of our culture. We talk, talk, talk about fairy tales, right? What happens? The prince and the princess, they come together and they ride off into the sunset and they live what? They live happily ever after. Maybe you're hanging out with somebody new for the first time and uh, people come, why are you hanging out with that person so much? Seems like you're always with them. I don't know. They just what? They just make me happy. Doctors continue to prove that there's some sort of happy drugs, endorphins that are released into your brain when you meet somebody that you like. This drive to to be yourself, to own your dreams, to do what makes you happy is so driven into our culture. Take care of yourself. Make choices that make you happy. You know, it always hasn't been this way. If you dig into ancient culture, things were actually the opposite. In ancient culture, people made decisions based upon what was best for for the community, what was best for the tribe, what was best for the family. This is where you hear uh, things like arranged marriage, right? We think like, how could could you do that? But these people would would step up to the plate and say that I'm going to marry this person. Why? Not because I love them, but because it's best for the family. It's best for the community. It's best for the tribe. And this is how things were for years. You, You know what changed it? If you kind of study history, uh, you find out that what actually changed it was Christianity. Because Christianity came along, and what Christianity said is, is that God made the individual, and because God made the individual in his image, now the individual was important. And if in the individual now is now important, then the desires that God has given the individual are important. So now we have this birth of this thing that we, we need to be true to what's in our heart. And this concept, this idea of happiness is not a bad thing. It's actually a really good thing. But as time went on, what society and what our culture did is we divorced or removed God from this equation. And instead of happiness being something that mattered, we made happiness something that mattered most. And isn't this really the the goal of of uh, all different things in life. We want to have a successful family life or be successful in the workplace. What is it all about? It's about getting your priorities in order. What comes number one? What comes number two? Executing those things, making sure, what we say that all the time, right? Have your priorities in order. Check your priorities. And so what happens, though, is when we take happiness and we move it from being something that, that, is, that is a part of our lives and an important thing, something that matters, and we, we elevate it to the place of something that matters most, it actually can be very counterproductive and destructive in our relationships. I want to talk about a few reasons why having happiness, your happiness at the center of your relationships, a couple reasons uh, why it's a bad idea, why happiness makes a horrible number one. Uh, here's one of, the, one of them. Your happiness is a moving target. What makes you happy today is not what will make you happy tomorrow. You know this if you're somebody that's ever bought something and been really excited about it only to find it in the garage a couple months down the road, right? Uh, remember digging through a closet when we were moving recently and finding this computer, this, this uh, computer that I bought my wife, and I had this instant flashback to, to the joy on her face when I was like, I got you this computer, she was so excited, and now it is collecting dust in, in, you know, you know, in a closet in the house because happiness is a shifting target. You know this if you've ever gone into debt because you really wanted something really, really bad, right? And then you end up having buyer's remorse. Why did I buy that? I shouldn't have done it as you have to pay on it month after month after month. Isn't that true? Uh, think about it. The dreams of your teens are not the dreams of your 20s. 
Uh, the dreams of your 20s are not necessarily the dreams of your 30s. The dreams of your 30s are not necessarily the dreams of your 40s. Why? Because the things that make you happy today are not the things that make you happy tomorrow. You see, happiness, happiness is not a destination. And if you're anything like me, as you kind of embark on the journey to find things that make you happy, doesn't it always seem that happiness is just out in front of you, that you can never really accomplish it? And even the moments uh, where you think, man, I'm going to bed happy, you still have to wake up the next morning and dishes have to be done and kids got to be to school, right? And laundry has to be washed. And, and real life kicks in. Why? Because happiness is a shifting target. It makes a horrible number one. How can you base your life on something that's always changing? Here's another thing about happiness. Happiness is in conflict with itself. You may maybe want to be really successful in your line of work. Maybe you're really passionate about something. And so you kind of go on this, this road to, to success, and I'm willing to sacrifice, and I'm willing to do whatever I need to do because I just want to be really, really successful. I want to climb the ladder because I know it's going to make me happy. But you also want a successful family life. And you know you're going to have to sacrifice at times, uh, time at work to be with your family, to be with your wife, to spend time with your kids. Both will make you happy. How do you choose? How do you prioritize? Your happiness is in conflict with itself. Here's another one. Happiness is getting your way. Uh, recent studies have shown that what happiness is really about is happiness is really about something called drive reduction. What it means is if I'm sleepy, I sleep. If I'm hungry, I eat. If I want to have sex, I have sex. I do what I do when I want, whenever I want it, because I want it, I want it now, and it's about what makes me happy. It's me getting what I want. I want it when I want it, and I want it now. What does that sound like? It sounds like selfishness, doesn't it? Uh, when you think about the downfalls of most relationships, doesn't it kind of boil down to unmet expectations? I mean, think about it. The reason, think about the conflict that you're in. We all have different ones around the room. Think about the conflict that you're in. Isn't it a result of an unmet expectation? You expected somebody to perform a certain way, and a lot of these things are unspoken, right? They should just know to do that. Don't they know that it's just what you do? And because they didn't meet your expectation, what happened? You're disappointed, and now the conflict has happened. There's been a wedge been driven between you and whomever. The thing about expectations, it's, it's really fascinating to me because we all hate. Don't we all hate the, the burden of having to live up to someone else's expectations? And yet we all have this, this, this really crazy tendency to still expect things of others. What if we could take a step in a different direction? And we could all. Couldn't we all just justify our expectations and why we're right and why people should act the way that we want them to act? But what if we could take a step in a different direction and learn to expect nothing and appreciate everything, right? What if we could learn to, in our relationships and the people that we come in contact with, they may not behave or act the way that we think that they should act, but it's not about me getting my way. Uh, recently, me and my wife, we got in this, this huge argument, and it's like the kind of argument where, like, uh, you feel that, that need to just kind of have a little restraint because things are about to get emotional, like somebody's about to cry or somebody's about to yell, and things are getting really, really serious. 
My wife is really like into organic things, and I'm not really like that. I don't have as much, I don't place as much of an importance on that. But, but I try to be a good husband, right? And I try to go along with it. So like, okay, we'll buy the brown eggs instead of the white eggs. And, you know, we'll try to get meat that no GMO and, you know, like no hormones and all this kind of stuff. I try to go along with it. Um, but the other day, we, we had gotten a new bed, and I happened to be at Costco. And there was this great deal on sheets. So I purchased these sheets, and, and I brought them home. I brought them home, and I kind of set them down. I was proud of myself. I bought sheets, and, and they're sitting there. And, and uh, I kind of, a day goes by, and nothing happens with the sheets. They're just sitting with the bag. Not that it's like her responsibility to make the bed or anything, but they were sitting in the bag still. And I'm wondering, why are they still in the bag? I don't know they don't belong there. And so the day's kind of <laughs> days kind of like kept going on. And uh, the sheets are still in the bag. And uh, I'm like, okay, maybe I should bring it up. So I was like, hey, you know, like, what's going on? You know, the sheets are like in the bag. And she's like, oh, I'm looking for, for new sheets. I'm like, well, I just, I just got those sheets. Um, there's something wrong with those sheets. She just, they're, they're not organic. And I, I was confused. Um, for a second, I was like, not going to eat them. We're going we're gonna to sleep. We're, uh, we're, we're going to sleep on them, you know. And, uh, and so then it just kind of, things began to escalate. Like, we started going back and forth, and she said, well, don't you know that chemicals go up? I'm like, well, where do we, babe, where do we draw the line? Like, am I going to have to start wearing organic underwear and socks, and we're going to be the weird family that wears face masks so we can breathe organic air? Like, where, like, where do we draw the line? And we're getting frustrated, and I'm getting mad, and I'm, like, getting emotional, and we're like, man, I don't, I don't want my sheets to be organic. Like, I just want regular old sheets. Can I have regular old sheets? And, and so we're going back and forth, and I, and I realized, I'm like, I don't, I don't really even care about about sheets. Like, like I'm, I'm the kind of guy that can go camping with friends and sleep uh, on, on a cot with no sheets under the stars and be fully content. It wasn't about the sheets. It was about me getting my way because I didn't want organic sheets. I wanted regular old sheets. I wasn't really fighting for something. What I was fighting for is what? My happiness because happiness is getting your way. Happiness in and of itself can be very, very selfish. Here's the last reason. I think it's the most uh, compelling reason uh, why happiness makes a horrible number one. And it's this. Happiness is not love. If you've ever really loved somebody, if you've ever really, really loved somebody, you know. You know that there's times that you will sacrifice your happiness because you love. If you're a parent, you know what this is like, right? Moms, you have to, you have to give up things that you want to do so that you can have time for your kids. Dads, right? You have to give up time at work so that you can have time with your family. When you love, you're willing to sacrifice. You see, but happiness, happiness is about what it can get. Love, on the other hand, love is about what it can give. You know... When you put happiness first in your relationships, you always bypass, you always sacrifice, you always give up love. But if all of us together can maybe take a step towards making love number one, I think that we could all somehow find in our lives, we'd see in our lives that we would find that happiness that we're looking for. We talk about God being number one, right? We talk about that a lot in church, and when you think about that, it's like, yeah, I get God number one. That it makes us feel good, you know, to, to say that God's my number one, just me and God. But to really dig into that and know what that means, I mean, what does that really mean to have God as number one? Well, in First John, it says that, that God is love. Amen. You see, if we want healthy relationships, we have to have God 
at the center of those relationships. Another way we can say that is if we want healthy relationships, we have to have love at the center of those relationships. So, and this is this this part of the talk today is where it gets really real and really strong because when we ask ourselves then, okay, if love has to be at the center of my relationships, what is love? And and the Bible gives us a textbook definition. And I'm just going to be really real and vulnerable with you today. My relationships, when I look at my relationships, if I'm honest, they don't look like this. Uh, we have work to do. Uh, we have we have steps to make to to kind of make this happen. God says that love is this. 1 Corinthians 13. So again, in perspective, we're thinking about the relationships that we have. Think about the, the relationships that, that are in turmoil in your life. I want you to ask yourself the question, again, all of us just being real and vulnerable as a church family, do these things exist in your relationships? Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and it's thoughtful. Love is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag. It's not proud. It's not arrogant. That's a big one for me. Love is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not provoked. It's not overly sensitive and easily angered. Love does not take into account a wrong endured. We believe that. Love does not take into account a wrong endured. Let's go on. It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things regardless of what comes. It believes all things, looking for the best in each one. It hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times. It endures all things without weakening. Love never fails. Think about your relationships today. I guess the question is, I mean, what would it be like if we could get love into our relationships? I mean, it would be the best thing ever, right? I mean, think, who wouldn't want a friend who endures with patience and serenity? Who wouldn't want a friend that doesn't brag, that they aren't, they aren't proud and they're not arrogant? Who wouldn't want a friend that didn't take into account a wrong endured? We would all want that kind of friend, right? Here's, here's my challenge to each and every one, and one of us. If we want that, why don't we go first? Why don't we take the first step to have love into our relationships? You may be saying, yeah, but you don't know. You don't know what they've done to me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the pain. You don't know the situation. You're right. I don't. I guess my question is, though, do we ever have the right to withhold love? I guess my question today is, is that what God does with you? Does God withhold love from us when we don't deserve it? Or in every situation? Man, think back on my life. Think back on all the times I've known to do right and chose to do wrong. And God in his mercy and his grace didn't withhold love, didn't withhold forgiveness. God with open arms wrapped his loving arms around me. It's just my belief that if God did that with me, don't I have the responsibility? Don't I have the obligation to do that with others? Think about in our lives, if we want love, the big question is how do we get love? How do we get love into our relationships? How do we get love into our friendships? Uh, let's read this scripture in the book of Luke says this, for if you give 
you will get. Your gift will be returned to you in full and overflowing measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, and running over. Whatever measure you use to give, large or small, will be used to measure what is given back to you. You see, if we want love in our relationships as the main thing, it's priority number one because God is love. If we want love, then we have to give love. I love it because in 1 Corinthians, God gives the whole list, right? He gives the whole list of steps that we can take. Looking at your relationships, maybe this week, maybe just, just pick one. This week, why don't we all ask ourselves this question? Uh, what can you do this week to give love into your relationships? The ones that are falling apart, you know what they are. The ones that you're struggling in today, you know what they are. Maybe you need to give patience. Maybe you've been somebody that's extremely jealous and you need to be a little bit more trusting. You need to take the first step. This is, what, this is really what, what I love about our faith. Because there's so many different religions and so many different faiths that preach morality and, and, and do good things. But, but you know what? It's only in Christianity did God go first. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God set the precedent for each and every one of us. The way we show love to others is by giving love to others. As we wrap up today, I want to pray because, um, like I said, I don't know every situation that's represented, but I know that God does, and I know that God cares. And um, if statistics show that the majority of our stresses, the majority of problems that we deal with in life are broken relationships, then I know that there's a good chance today in this room that you're dealing with one. Maybe you're going through a rocky time in your marriage. Maybe your kids are, um, have ostracized themselves from your family. Uh, maybe you're having issues at work with your employer. I don't know what your situation is, but I know that God cares. And I know that God, by design, has designed us for relationship. And if he's designed us for it, then he wants to help. So would you pray with me as we kind of wrap up today? God, today, we just come before you as a church family God, first and foremost, we just say thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son for us. Thank you for showing us how it's done. Now, God, we come before you and, and we ask, God, we ask for your help today. You said in the Bible that we would, if you, we would cast our cares upon you because you care for us. So we do that today. God, in every situation, God, for the couple, it's been really difficult to sit through this message today because they, even the argument that they got in on the way to church is just, just hard to sit through. God, I ask that you would bring peace. I ask that you would bring restoration for the mom and dad who can't sleep at night because their son has, has left the home and there's no relationship. God, I ask that you would bring things back together. Here are the broken pieces of our lives, dear God. God, would you do what you do so well and shape and mold them and put them back together for the person that's had trouble at work because they just can't get along with that one coworker? I ask God that you would show us how we could give love into those situations so that we can experience the byproduct of love being given back to us. We ask that your peace would rule and reign in every relationship, God. Where there is tension, God, that you bring peace, that you bring unity. God, for the situations that seem beyond repair, God, you would grant a fresh start, a new start today. In Jesus' name, amen. With all your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never made a decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is the first step in aligning your relationship with God and making God number one. Here's, here's the fact of the matter. We're, we're broken. We're flawed, right? We make mistakes. We're not qualified for relationship with God, and God knew this. This is why 
He sent his son. God sent Jesus to live a perfect life, to die a death he didn't deserve, and to come back from the dead so that when we put our faith in Christ, God doesn't see us based upon our works or our performance or how good we can be. He sees us through the lens of the sacrifice of Jesus. Today, if you've never made a decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity today. And this this decision is huge because the Bible teaches that we're eternal beings. We're spirits that live forever somewhere in heaven or in hell. The Bible says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, whoever chooses to place their faith in Jesus will be saved. It's as simple as that. You never made that decision to place your faith in Christ. Would you do it today? Would you not wait? Would you not say, oh, next time, next time, not ready? Would you, would you choose to make that decision today? I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything like that. I just want you to mean it with all of your heart. In fact, we're a family, so nobody prays alone. I want us all to pray this together. Would you repeat this after me? Let's pray it together. Say, Jesus, today, I believe in my heart, and I confess out of my mouth, You are the Son of God. I believe that you lived for me. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you came back from the dead for me. Today I call you my Savior, and I make you my Lord. Help me, Jesus. Help me. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Let's put our hands together and celebrate with those that made that decision perhaps for the first time today. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.